We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. Listen, nobody loves to bank. They love that what banking can help them achieve, but nobody's sitting around going, man, I really want to go to the bank. That's exactly what I want to do. They don't do that. But Emprise Bank is one of those companies that you can put your trust in to help you achieve your dreams, whether it's saving for your first house, a new car, starting a family, starting a business, anything like that. Emprise is your partner in possible. Emprise Bank member FDIC, we are so happy that they are the sponsor for this podcast and for KC Sports Network. So, we are so appreciative of them. So please help them out. Sign up for a local enterprise. Get on there. You know, get activated. So um, yeah, I am here. It is the off season, and I am here once again with my good pal Maddie Lane. You can find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Maddie, my friend, how are you getting by this off season so far? Well, I'll tell you what. Um when you guys like the day before you guys are listening to this, my daughter graduated from kindergarten. So oh. big day, wild oh. day, big day. And this is the last time you guys are going to hear me for a hot minute. Cause I'm taking off on a, a big long vacation. So I'll be gone all next week into the Monday after. So it's going to be like two weeks from now to where you guys have to withstand my crazy takes and everything on the show. So you guys might next week only get like 20 minute podcasts. If Kent's back, if no, Kent is back, no, if Kent, Kent is, is back, also on vacation <laughs> next week for those not to blow up his spot he's not here tonight but kent is also on vacation so 
Y'all are just going to get solo Craig Pock. No, absolutely not. You're not getting that. Um, you are going to want to be around next week. We're not, not even going to tell you who it's going to be yet, but um, you're going to special wanna, guest coming on. It's going to be You're going to want to be here next week. But yeah, no, so I'm about to take off on a vacation. So this is kind of my last time getting uh, getting some stuff in before we get into the absolute depths of the offseason. So <laughs> glad to be here, ready to go. Thankfully, we got some form of information, I guess, with the yeah. – um, What's it called? Work to win, way to win, something to win series that Work she's to win. putting out right now. Yeah, it's Craig, I don't think you haven't gotten a chance to watch this yet, right? So you're kind of coming to this a little blind with me. So I have to like Correct. recap all of this. Um, before we get to this work to win series, I got to say, while you listen to this, before we start to break it down, if you're here on YouTube especially or on Apple or iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening, hit the like button. Make sure you're subscribing. It's easy. It takes two seconds you could have done it about 12 times just during my spiel right now so let's go and throw that in there and we're gonna get to it we talked about it during the draft we were doing our live show during the draft and i think we talked about it after day one brett veach rolls up to his press conference thursday night after day one and he he looks awful and that's not a big deal most gms look pretty bad come that time of year you had a long draft process but guys look awful but brett veach looks especially awful. he was sweating a ton having difficulty drinking as much water or enough water to make him feel comfortable. And you compare and contrast that to even Friday night's press conference. It was just a big difference. Like something looked like it was weighing on his mind Thursday night after the first round. So we talked about it and we had a couple thoughts kind of about mm -hmm. maybe they did something they didn't plan on. They kind of went off the rails compared to what they normally do by taking a corner in the first round. They traded up in the first round. They took a corner. They took a small corner. So like the theory that we kind of had coming out of that draft weekend was just like, maybe they did something they weren't planning on. Right, Greg? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I posited the theory that um, because they gave up the assets that they did for Trent McDuffie, that they were a little bit worried that next players on their board weren't going to be as available. And so he was having to sweat it out a little bit with Sky Moore, with Brian Cook, with Leo Chanel, you know, with all these guys that, that we saw them take then the next day. But that being said, I, I you know, it doesn't appear to be the case. We talked a little <laughs> bit before this, but it doesn't appear that, you know, like a receiver or something like that was what they were sweating out. Maddie, explain what, Brett Veach said in this work to win episode. And so, you know, I don't want to like come across as tooting horns or anything, but I think the theory that like good friend Chief Bearcat and Kent and Craig and I talked about was just kind of like, what if they went with a strategy they didn't prepare for, a scenario they didn't expect to happen? Because Brett Veach kind of hinted at that, talking about Trent McDuffie being available and that not being a situation they were necessarily prepared for. That wasn't a scenario that they thought was a possibility so they didn't do a ton of work they didn't run that scenario in their draft rooms so we kind of went down that rabbit hole and brett veach has dropped enough hints that that could have been the case but finally on work to win episode two that came out you know 7 p.m last night when you guys are listening to this he said it he straight up said it he said that they didn't think he was going to be there they said over and over again that wasn't a scenario that they ran you they talked about how they run all these scenarios and one of them that they had was never Trent McDuffie being there. In fact, he took it a step further. Like there's a lot that goes into the trade stuff, but like, I just want to get your thoughts on this right away. They didn't anticipate Trent McDuffie being there. He was then available. Then they just kind of take him. I don't want to say it's on a whim. They clearly did a bunch of work and everything into him. It's just, this isn't something they prepared for. So like, I think it's pretty clear that that's one of the reasons that he had to be nervous that first night. 
Oh, absolutely. I, definitely. And, you know, I don't, it, there's a lot of things that Trent McDuffie is going to have to overcome to be an outlier of, you know, it, there's never been a cornerback with arms that short drafted in the first round since 2010. I shouldn't say never. Since 2010, there hasn't been one. And frankly, those types of players, it's been very rare that they've even been drafted in day two. You know, before this year, there was only another three players that were drafted in day two. So a guy like Trent McDuffie, who we all expected to go early, don't get me wrong. Like I before the draft, I was saying, listen, he's still going to go round one, but he's got an uphill you know, hill to climb here. And especially for Steve Spagnolo, like that's that's a risky pick for a guy like Spagnolo that wants a little more length, wants things like that. We talked about it earlier this week about what Trent McDuffie can do on the outside. So, yeah, I could see Brett Veach coming out of that and going, yeah, we agree that he's the better player. We agree that he was the best player on our board, but does he fit our scheme? Did we panic a little bit? Did we move up for this player that maybe isn't going to be the exact scheme fit, even though we know that he's probably the best player that was left? Right. And going back to Steve Spagnuolo here, every time he opens his mouth to talk about players, whether it's rookies or veterans, length comes up. It doesn't matter what position it is. Length comes up for Steve Spagnuolo. You know who, I mean, objectively lacks length. Trent McDuffie, right? Like there is a world, then it could very well be this one in which Steve Spagnuolo maybe isn't as high on McDuffie as some other people are. So maybe that plays into it. I'm not saying that they two are mad or angry at each other. Steve Spagnuolo said, no, we won't draft him. It's right. just, I could very easily see there being a path to that not being the first name that Steve Spagnuolo throws out there for perfect for his scheme, or even the first name that a scout says, this is a good fit for Steve Spagnuolo's scheme because he is so different. And I think that would help lean into kind of some of this, um, the nervousness or just some of the unsettledness you kind of saw from Brett Beach that first night. But I think we got to unpack the whole scenario because this isn't even the most interesting part. Right. So Brett Beach goes on to say they verbally agreed to make a trade up to pick 21 while the NFL draft was actually at pick 16. So the Washington Commanders would be on the clock then. They were in the process of selecting Jahan Dotson. At that point, Brett Veach is saying, we verbally agreed with the Patriots to trade up because we liked the number of guys left versus how many picks we were that pick 21 was away from being on the clock. We liked our odds. And so they're trying to make sure they have this trade flushed out. Maybe they aren't able to completely lock into the board and see every single pick. Someone's paying attention, but they don't know what every single pick is instantly because sure. they're trying to work out this trade. They get to pick 21. They make the trade up. They actually make the real trade. But according to Brett Veach, they didn't trade up for Trent McDuffie. They traded up, prepared, ready to, in order to draft a completely different player. Somebody else available at pick 21 was who the Chiefs were trading up to pick. That was what was in that room's mind. Now, we all know what happened. They end up finding Trent McDuffie. Brett Veach is like, wait, why is this guy's here still here? They make that selection instead. Like, we will get to that again, but like, who do we think the Chiefs were actually trying to trade up for? Like, that's the I question mean, right now. Somebody that was yeah. available at 21, they traded up ready to draft him. Who was it, Craig? I See, it, it makes me wonder. I, I think my initial gut feeling was Jermaine Johnson, but they seemed to be so in on George Karloftis, like so in on George Karloftis. I don't think the Chiefs were going to go 
defensive end, defensive end. I don't, even though, you know, they, they could have afforded to don't get me wrong. Yeah. They, they really could have. And we would have run out in the street, you know, streaking because they did that move like that. That's a great move for them. But I, that was my initial reaction there. But I, you know, I'm looking over this because a lot of these guys, linebackers, you know, centers, offensive linemen, there was a big run on those kinds of guys. Really, the only one, Devontae Wyatt, would have been the only other guy that went after that that didn't go before, you know, or that went before George Karloftis there. So the other guy that comes to mind is the guy, I think, Maddie, that you think it yeah. is, Kyir Elam. Yeah, I I think it's there's obviously a chance there's Jermaine Johnson. It's, there's a chance it's George sure. Karloftis even. And somebody else, you know, there's a chance it's someone else. But like, if you put me in a state where betting was legal, Kansas soon to be, hey, let's go, what's going on, Kansas? Um, I would put a lot of money that it was Kyer Elam. I think from what we've heard, everything we've heard about Kyer Elam since the draft, very smart, crushed interviews. He was like a person that coaches really loved. Okay, this is a football character. Like, right, football character mm -hmm. describes mm -hmm. Kyer Elam and everything we've heard. What oh, have yeah. been what the Chiefs have said about every single draft pick this year? Football character. And then you add in the fact that he does kind of have that length, that size, or at least he plays like he has the actual length and size that Steve Spagnuolo likes in his corners, even if he maybe fell a little bit shorter than you would want in terms of, you know, raw arm length. But like he much more profiles as a Steve Spagnuolo type of corner. You very, it was very clear the Chiefs were targeting this cornerback position throughout the entire draft. And to think that they weren't going up to take one early, I think would be kind of silly. I don't think they were going to sit around and wait until day three to just load up on a bunch of guys. Like they were going to go get somebody. I think they were prepared to trade up for Elam. They were still trying to jump ahead of the Bengals or the Packers or the Bills or any of these teams that might be looking for a corner. And Kyrie Elam might've been the name that they kind of had circled until they realized a better prospect was still available on the board. Yeah, and when you look at their numbers here, I know people are going to look at it and say, well, he he doesn't have even 31-inch arms, so it's not like he's a long player either. No, he doesn't. He's got a full inch of, of arm length on Trent McDuffie there. He's also a two-and-a-half-inch taller guy. He's a little bit faster. Now, Trent McDuffie, a little more explosive, a little more fluid. I mean, you can see that the way that they play, that one of them – plays longer put that in quotes plays longer there because of the style of player that he is and it and is to add I, real quick too his wingspan yeah. is 64th percentile for corners like that's good like Absolutely. his his arm length is he's pretty broad. small but yeah he's apparently got broad <laughs> shoulders so like that's where you can see a little bit of the makeup and length i just wanted to throw Correct. that in there because you watch him and you're not like wow he's stubby that never crossed my mind watching right. him so like that body shape helps that there sorry continue and and he's a willing tackler. Like the things that Steve Spagnuolo loves, absolutely the things that Steve Spagnuolo loves. So I can see in this process, Steve Spagnuolo falling in love with Kair Elam. I can also see the Chiefs sitting there and saying, okay, the Philadelphia Eagles are surely going to take Trent McDuffie. They need a corner, they need, you know, guys in their secondary here. They are going to surely take Trent McDuffie. They end up trading out, get a good deal from the New Orleans Saints for you know the Saints to draft Trevor Pinning, and that causes Trent McDuffie to fall. We saw what the Bills were seeing and what the Bills' reaction to the Chiefs taking Trent McDuffie was. They were heartbroken by that, and they themselves had to you know 
really kind of evaluate the board and had to move up to go get Kyir Elam. So they're definitely looking at that entire scenario and watching those two guys fall and hoping that they don't have to make a move to get up to get Kyir Elam. And then the Chiefs jump in front of them, get Trent McDuffie forcing Kyir Elam there. I think that Elam was a more coveted prospect by the Chiefs. I agree with you there, Matty. Then maybe we gave them credit for at the beginning. Now, again, doing a lot of talk about Kyrie Elam. Both of us are ecstatic with Trent McDuffie. Like the, the better right. player by far, you know, but it's it's just trying to evaluate the way Brett Veach was reacting afterwards. And I mean, if, if he's looking at it and he's going, man, I don't know if Steve can use this guy the way that, that I hope he can use this guy. You know, did I take the wrong corner here for the first time that I'm moving up for an early corner, did I get my guy? Did I get the right guy? And that might have caused him to be a little frazzled. Then you hear all these comments from him saying, we had another guy in mind. Boy, that all starts to line up really well. Right, it does. And yeah, I want to reiterate, I'm much happier they took Trent McDuffie over Kyer Elam. I would have understood it either way, but like, I'm happy they went the route they did. I just think it. you are kind of starting to see that full picture of why their process, one, the trade process of, Here's all these scenarios. And then it's the Brett Veach thing again. We have X amount of players in this same tier and we're Y amount of picks away. As soon as there's, you know, enough or more players left in spaces, you want to kind of make that move, right? Like you want to make sure you start Mm -hmm. to get one of those guys in that upper tier. That's why they were able to comfortably in their mind, verbally agree to a trade at, you know, pick 16, despite that still being what six, five picks away from where they ultimately ended up. So they felt good about their options there. They go up. Even at that time, I think Craig is right. You're kind of assuming with the Chargers, it was the Eagles, not maybe as much the Saints or the Steelers, but like you're just kind of assuming that Trent McDuffie might be off the board by then. This isn't a scenario that the Chiefs, they've said it. This isn't a scenario they planned for at any point in time. They just kind of did it. Like this was it. I don't want to say they didn't scout them. I'm not trying to make it sound like that. Oh, they definitely they didn't, did. They didn't sit there in their meeting rooms and run a mock draft scenario where they took Trent McDuffie because they didn't anticipate him being there. They have said that. So now all of a sudden he is. It's just, it's a hard veer from a plan that it sounds like they were all on board with and willing to do. Like, that's what I take away from it is there was a known plan that everybody in that room, Brett Veach included, was okay with doing. And that was trading up the draft Kyrie limit 21. And then all of a sudden, right as he pulls up to that exit, Brett Veach cranks hard on that wheel and takes him in an entirely different direction. And like, yeah, you probably are getting a little bit, you know, you're a little nervous. Did I mess up? Did I make the right move? My coaching staff, maybe they did like Elam. Maybe the coaching staff was like, eh, we would prefer Elam, but either one would work. And then Brett Veach is like, well, us scouts like McDuffie, but either one would work. And he ultimately made the decision. So I, I just found it fascinating. I found it fascinating that we I do get... I a- definitely feel like... And we said this after the pick. I definitely feel like this is one that Brett stuck his neck out a little bit for. Yeah. Like it, it definitely feels that way. And it may be, you know, he's sitting there going, all right, all my other GM brethren here <laughs> did, didn't think as highly of this guy as we did. You know, obviously... we. We did too. We we thought he was a very good player, you know, and I, we expected that he was going to go top 15 in this draft. So like the expectation was that he was going to go high. You're sitting there and you're, you know, you're in a business meeting or something like that at your work and you've got two presentations that are being put in front of you. And it seems like everybody's kind of leaning one way, but you see the potential on this other one and you're the one that makes the executive decision to go there. Like that 
you're sticking your neck out for that. Even if everybody's like, yeah, no, listen, they're both very good. You know, we're going to be happy with either one. And trust me, you're not going to get fired for making this decision. But you're looking around and you're going, okay, so why am I the only one on this island? Why am I the guy that is sticking my neck out for him? What am I missing? I, we do that a lot with prospects, Maddie. I mean, we talked oh, that, about that before. Like, if you're watching, Matt, Maddie and I are notorious for guys that everybody thinks are round one locks that we'll watch. And it's just like, what? How's Zayvon Collins what we, doing over there? Okay, Arizona. What, what are we missing Zayman with Collins? this guy? What, what's happening here? Because I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And, and it's not like we just dig our heels in and say, "Well, we're right," and all of that. No, we go back and we watch more. We try to figure out what we're missing. We're trying to figure out what people, you know, what people are saying about him. I that call Craig and tell him to explain it to me. That's that's yeah. And then <laughs> I watch and I I largely agree with Maddie because we tend to see things similarly oh. in that regard but yeah you know you, you stick your neck out in that way you're just saying hey listen i believe this and i'm going against the grain here obviously you know he's falling to pick 21 why am i going against the grain why is this guy still here because he shouldn't so i get it i get the nervousness i get exactly why he was a little disheveled after day one but you know maybe seeing the full picture of day two seeing the guys that were still available at corner going into day three and going, hey, we're still going to be able to get some guys with length that Steve is going to like. We're going to be good. Maybe maybe that all was able to put him at ease. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And I think you even see some of that too when you listen to Steve Spagnuolo or other coaches talk about some of these draft picks. Steve Spagnuolo has flipped his lid over some other defensive draft picks. And when he talks about Trent McDuffie, it's not negative in any way, shape, or form. No. But there's not the same level of excitement that you've seen or heard from him about some of these other guys. George Karloff, this specifically is like one that comes to mind. Like you can very clearly tell that Steve Spagnuolo has a guy or guys that he really likes from this draft class. And Trent McDuffie, I'm not, again, not saying he dislikes him, but it's just not a guy that looks like Steve Spagnuolo was sitting there jumping up on the table, screaming that we have to take this guy for my scheme. 
and he okayed it. He would very clearly okay it. Everybody yeah. thinks it'll be a good fit. It's just it wasn't his guy. It's not a, he didn't get a Steve Spagnuolo my guy stamp, and that might be part of some of the uh, nervousness. Um, I mean, okay, let's let's put it this way: When do you think Steve Spagnuolo is going to be on board? Do you think it's halfway through week one of training camp? <laughs> you know, ex actually executing, able right. to you know stick each other a little bit, have some press quality, show that he can play the ball in the air a little more because obviously in OTAs, they're not doing a ton of that right now. In training camp, I think I, I think we'll start hearing Steve Spagnuolo being all in on Trent McDuffie sooner rather than later because I think he's he, he's going to pick up the playbook quick. I think he's going to be on the same page. I think he's going to help that secondary organize, and I think he's going to play the way that Steve Spagnuolo wants him to play football. Yeah, I think that first presser that he does after like training camp starts, mm -hmm. I think you'll see hear a lot more positives about McDuffie from him and in a different way. Not that he isn't saying positive things now, just in a more glowing light. Um, I do want to do one quick exercise before we move on from this topic. At yeah. pick 16, the Chiefs verbally agreed to make this trade. So they felt good at pick 16 that somebody that they wanted was going to be there at 21. That's five players were selected between there. So I just want you to tell me as we got to read off some names and went, I want you to tell me some guys that you thought like would come. I, we're going to get to five names that we think they were interested in starting at 16. So Jahan Dotson. Um, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think they could have been interested in him. Yeah, him and Sky Moore could be yeah. used in a similar way. So, like, I could buy that Speedy John slot guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. A guy that they'd be interested in. Zion Johnson. No, I don't think so. Traylon Burks. Yes, definitely I do. Trevor Penning. No, I don't think so. Kenny Two Gloves Pickett. Yes, 100%. We <laughs> need the future for Patrick LeVon Mahomes right now. No, definitely not. We so Trent McDuffie, do you think he counts on this list? Because it didn't seem like they thought he would be there. I mean, I think he probably has to count that's for what the I'm list. Saying. I think right. they thought Philly was going to stay home right. and take him. I think that's the pick. I think that's the one that they probably thought at, at 16 they're going. I think, and again, especially if it's corner, especially if they yeah. were looking at this and saying, hey, listen, we're going to get Kyrie Elam or Trent McDuffie. You know, not, they're not having two teams trade up to do this. Obviously, the Steelers are going to stay put. Because they love, you know, Kenny Pickett and they're going to take a quarterback. You know, I, I think the Titans after the AJ Brown trade, you knew that they needed to get somebody, some receiver right. at that point. So I do think that they were able to kind of scout the lay of the land. But I think, I think that they thought that Philly was going to take him. I think that they thought that he was going there at pick 19. Do you think they would have gone Quay Walker in round one? No, I don't I agree with you. think so. I don't um, think he or Evan Lloyd, who I might get to his name, I don't think they were going to go linebacker yeah. in round one. They clearly were I don't interested, think so but there's a wild gap between being interested as a comp pick in the third round and being interested in round mm -hmm. one at a position that you're continuously filling. And they are still heaping wild amounts of praise on the Nick Bolton. Deserve, it's deservedly so, but they're really high on him. It's like, I'm going to say no to Quay Walker. We've already said yes to Kyrie Elam. So that brings us to four. I mean, Tyler Smith, Tyler Linderbaum, either one no. of those two. You think? So no. then you're getting Jermaine Johnson and the Devin Lloyd, Devontae Wyatt, Cole Strange, George Karloftis, right? Like that's that kind of little stretch. Like obviously Karloftis, they were interested in. Jermaine Johnson, they could have been interested in. Devontae Wyatt, but I mean like there's kind of the player pool that I think they would have been looking at when they were deciding to make this trade. There's kind of your five, six-ish names that they are probably yep. looking at to go up there. 
They make their trade up. They lost what Dotson and Burks. We talked about those two are off the board. They still arguably take the best guy in Trent McDuffie's. Like again, Brett Veach seemed to have a pretty good idea of what he thought this draft was going to play out, and kind of seemed right on the nose. Okay, so they trade up. The, let's just play theory here because they they were talking about pick sixteen. You know, I'm I'm just this is more between you and I, not a realistic thing that happened or anything. They're looking at pick sixteen. And they're saying, we really like the board. Let's go up and get our guy. And they trade up to pick 16. They take Trip McDuffie there. Are you still as happy about that pick as you are trading up to 21? Obviously, the assets, they're going to have to give up a little bit more to do that. But right. that's about the range that you would expect Trent McDuffie to go. So are you really mad at the value of that pick for trading all the way up to 16? Um, probably not. I, I think the chiefs gave up, a a little bit more than what, like the value would have been to get to 21. Um, mm-hmm. especially compared to some of the other trades that happened. I think like, I don't think that they got a crazy deal. Well, like Minnesota kind of threw that off with their wild. Yeah, moves. Um, yeah. but like, I think the chiefs gave up about value. Maybe they got, you know, lost a little bit of value into 21 to 16 obviously would have been even more. Um, this is where you kind of start to, you know, split hairs a little bit, right? I think judging by what we just did, we named five to seven guys that I what, like about seven guys that weren't off the board until pick 30. And then right after pick 30, the two safeties that we thought the chiefs might be interested in who they right. also went and took a safety in round two came off the board. So like there seemed to be a lot of names left that would have enticed the chiefs. I don't know if they were much interested in going in much higher than where they did. Um, Andy Reid talked about it kind of in this uh, work to win, how Brett did a really good job keeping a lot of draft picks. And when they did trade up, they were either able to recoup stuff or switch stuff around that they were still able to fill all of their holes. I think if you start moving up from instead of 21 to 16, you lose some of that. You probably lose one of those day two players, one of those day two picks at the very least you don't get, I mean, you had traded back for sky Moore, but like, the Darian Kennard pick or like just something else happens. Like, I don't think you get all of those day two picks. If you go to 16, maybe even two of those guys. So mm-hmm. I think I would have rather had Kyrie Elam at 21 than Trent yeah. McDuffie at 16. And I think Trent McDuffie is definitely a better player, but if that was where this question was going to end up going, I would lean yep. Kyrie Elam. Yep. No, that that's exactly where I was going to go with it. And I mean, we spent the entire time during and after the draft, just praising Brett for the patience that he had and the ability to play the board as masterfully as he did. We were very nervous how he was going to use all of that draft capital going into the draft. And boy, I I mean, he used it damn near flawlessly. So I, you know, I great pick Trent McDuffie. I understand the, the tension and the nervousness and everything like that. But you know, then when you go back and you look at the draft class as a whole, I just love all the swings. I love the body types and everything that they grabbed gives you a little bit more insurance, you know, a little more guys that Spagnolo tends to gravitate towards as you've got obviously the best cornerback that was left on the board. Yeah. So that that was thing one. I got a little bit more from work to win. That mm-hmm. was just part one. Um, if you guys haven't watched this week, the first one I think was just kind of setting the stage, getting your feet wet. I, you know, that's why we didn't talk about episode one. I didn't think there was a whole whole lot there. Um, this one had it was good. There was some other funny moments, like uh Brett Veach had a joke line that he wanted to say to a player they picked in round one. So like they were showing him asking like all the people in the draft room if Trent McDuffie was in Vegas when they were getting ready to call him. 
and you didn't really know why. And then they showed the George Karloftis pick, and he just he had a line that he wanted to deliver to George Karloftis um, about placing a bet on being a Kansas City Chief, and like they played it up a lot in this video, and it just was really cheesy. Um, so you need to watch it and look out for that. That was that was one of my favorite things. Just oh, how much they goodness. were talking. Is up it this a pun? Line. Is it a pun no, or is it? It's a not cheap? a pun. Okay. No, it's just a line. It's just a line about because they're in Vegas. Just is your family there? Did any of them place a bet on you becoming a Kansas ah. City Chief? Like that's all he wanted to say. And I was like, this is what made the cut. <laughs> like that seemed like an extra thirty seconds that was just entirely unnecessary to like lean into listen. this bit with one pick and bring it back around. Listen, listen, listen. He doesn't have a joke writer on staff for draft weekend. It's fine. I'm fine with it. His focus was on the draft. I'm fine with a, a corny, you know, dad joke or something like that that he's going to crack at George Karloftis. Um, I I thought again it was funny. They did. They showed like the fan fest stuff. If you remember that from mm -hmm. right after the draft, and they had all the day one and two two guys there. They showed Leo Chanel get up there and talk about, you know, being a violent guy that likes to hit people. And that's what he wants to do. And just, <laughs> but they have the angle to where you see Brian cook's reaction the entire time. And that might even be the best part. Just watching him laugh at the violence part of it. And then when he says, I, I love to hit people, that's all I want to do. And you just see like just Brian cook's face change. You're like, Oh, you're that kind of guy. It was just, it was funny the way they set that up. But, um, it's, I, I do think we talked about this a lot, but I'm, going to talk about it next week a little bit with somebody but um i i just think it's the mentality has shifted and it, it's not that it's not that it was necessarily lacking in every element of it but my goodness this team is going to be a lot more physical and i i am very interested to see what that looks like i don't i just don't see a whole lot of guys quitting in the fourth quarter I don't see a whole lot of guys that are going to roll off very many tackles. You know, I think the the want to will be there. Now we'll see if the execution's there, but the want to will definitely be there. And just, I don't know. It just it just brings me back to that, like like coming out of that weekend and just being like, man, this defense could just be fun because they're going to fly around and hit. And uh, I'm just super excited for it. <laughs> yeah, I I am too. And that's just it. It is one of the most exciting parts. I'm excited to listen to you talk about that next week when i'm not here um <laughs> so this is the other big thing and it's only kind of big it's not as big as this first conversation that we had but at one point in time towards the end of uh work to win they catch steve spagnolo saying to somebody else in the war room and he was clearly talking about brett veach or the scouting department saying you know laughing very excited saying they know i liked that guy as he gave a guy like a big like you know one of those high five handshakes where you kind of drag your hand off of him Steve Spagnuolo was very giddy, and he was remarking about a guy that they picked that that, that he that everybody else knew that he liked. Any, they didn't any say who this player was. I any know indication who, it is. who oh, what yeah. round. I have sleuthed this out. Oh, have you? You don't um, know. So I want your guess. Who is the guy that they just? Who is the guy that Steve Spagnuolo just absolutely liked? I mean, we know one. We I mean, mentioned one. He's talked about some like, other guys. So, like, who do you think it is that they are talking about? In this area. holy cow, they, that's hard to pick because they picked a bunch of spags guys. They did. <laughs> really did. Um, man, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say Leo Chanel. I, I am going to say Leo Chanel. Um, I think I think Spags is probably watching him and being like, that man 
can play Sam for me, and I am going to blitz the hell out of him, and he is going to be a wrecking ball for me. So I can see Spagnuolo just being giddy that he gets to play around with another linebacker. Okay. Um, that is not who I believe it was. Um, okay. So this is what has happened. I have froze the camera or the video <laughs> when he said this, and you can see a TV in the background, and we got a pick is in. So the pick that is in when this is happening is this round two, the San Francisco 49ers are the team that just had the pick in. So the 49ers in round two picked 61st. They took Drake Jackson mm-hmm. out of USC, but the Chiefs picked 62nd. And the uh-huh. pick was already in on the NFL draft tracker. I think we can surmise that that means the Chiefs were in the process of making the pick. He knew who it was going to be. Brian Cook, safety out of Cincinnati. When you watch this video, go watch Work to Win right now. If you haven't, if you've listened to us try to describe it, like we're do, not doing it justice, please go watch Work <laughs> to Win on the Chiefs YouTube channel, on the Chiefs homepage, and then come back and finish listening. But you can see how excited Steve Spagnuolo is. He's excited they took him. And he's talking about a guy that they knew he liked. He was clearly amped that they took one of his guys, another one, because Karloff this was too, another mm-hmm. one of his guys here at this pick, and it was Brian Cooks. Like, I thought that was cool. I thought it was cool that it wasn't Karloff this in that exact clip, because we know he loves Karloff yeah. this. We Folk know too. everyone on the roster yeah. likes Brian Cook too. It's just, it was nice to see it like accidentally come across in this scenario. Oh, man. So that clearly means Juan Thornhill is not playing this year. Is that what? You, you just had to go there, right? Like you just, you yeah. just had to get that in I there mean, next. Listen, if I hear that you know, Steve Spagnuolo is already in love with another safety, like it makes me go, well, that's 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 all she wrote for Juan. Juan, Juan pour it out, you know, but I don't, I don't know. I, that's good. It, it really is good. I think. I think we've all gone back and watched Brian Cook now. We see the potential there. You know, obviously playing in that defense, there was there's a lot of stuff there that, you know, like a lot of guys got to the ball faster than he did. And he definitely was a an organizer on the back end. I am excited to see him as well because once again, physicality, good tackler, you know, smart dude that reads out route distributions well, like all of that. I see exactly how it fits in. I can see exactly how Steve Spagnuolo loves him. That also probably means that he is awesome in the film room. If Spagnuolo is that jazzed about getting that guy based on what we've seen on the film, he's got to be just incredible in the film room then, just sitting there on the whiteboard. Yeah, that's my thought too. Like we've heard, you know, Dave Tobe talk about, we've heard people talk about how Dave Tobe likes Brian Cook. We've heard all this stuff happens. Like the team likes and the coaching staff likes him. I just, I like that it made the video clip and that there was accidentally or purposefully this hint at who it was. It was Brian mm-hmm. Cook. Brian Cook's the guy that like when I go to watch, I get why you like him, but I have not seen what I need to see to get fully on board. This is one of those players that Craig talked about earlier where we will go back to each other and be like, okay, why do we think everybody in the Chiefs coaching staff or scouting department is absolutely in love with this guy. Not that they can't like him, not that I don't like him, that I sure. have to dislike him, just where is everybody falling in love with the film? And maybe it's not the film, maybe it's the film room, the personality, the character, because like just when I watch him, I just I always end up leaving a Cincinnati game when I watch it, wanting more from Brian Cook. I feel like there's just always wanting a little bit more. But if you get into the meeting rooms, if you get into all the other parts of playing football besides just where like trying to evaluate the tape or what a player is by the tape, you're missing some stuff. They obviously have a lot more access. So maybe that's where some of it comes from, but like 
everybody likes him. I just, I don't think you mm-hmm. get this much talk about everybody on a team liking somebody and then like come away disappointed by the end of the year for the team. Cut to, he is playing in the slot because he's got cornerback experience from when he was playing for Howard, mm. you know, played true? 21, played 21 games there at corner. So, I mean, like he's got some experience. Maybe they just see a guy that, that has a lot of capability and they can move all over that secondary. And obviously we know how much Steve Spagnuolo likes guys like that and how much his team <laughs> likes guys like that. They should. I mean, that versatility is crucial, especially if you're going to adopt more too high stuff where you're rotating guys around. You're not tipping off what you're doing pre-snap. That's that's very important right now. And that's what the defenses are trending towards. So maybe Brian Cook's that little missing piece that they're seeing is maybe the thing that's going to get him over the line. Uh, uh, hey, I'm, I'm here for it. I, I think that's going to be one of the most fascinating position battles to watch is what does that safety room kind of look like once we get to training camp? And, you know, these... This tiny little bit from a work to win video series doesn't mean it's tipping one way or the other. (laughs) I just think it is worth noting that everybody in the Chiefs organization, all the way up to the defensive coordinator, Andy Reid, had a lot of praise to give Brian Cook too. The guys that are making these kind of decisions seem to really like Brian Cook before or as as he was still a prospect before he even got in the building. So that's going to be fascinating to watch. I think that's all I have from work to win, Craig. Do you have anything else um, Chiefs related for the oh, Chiefs related? No. Or are we going to make Kent we're... jealous and we're... get out of here in under an hour while he's not here? Yes. Do you know how mad he'll be feel... if we pull this off? I feel like we should just sit and stare at each other for like 20 minutes. Just mm-hmm. in silence and see how people think. Uh, we did. We could. We also <laughs> did like 15 minutes of coverage over the, the match in golf. So like we could it's just true. talk about the NBA finals right now, right? Like that's exactly. I mean, we've now branched I mean, out. We can yeah. talk about other sports now. That's that's true. Yeah, he broke the barrier down. But like, I think I think our people probably just rather end it right there. So thank you all so much for listening. Like, share, subscribe, tell your friends, tell everybody you can about KC Sports Network. We're doing some cool stuff. We got more cool stuff that we're doing coming up here. Subscribe to KCSN Daily. That is our Substack. Get over there. We are doing all of our off-season content. This is when we get to have the fun. This is the sort of stuff that really is stimulating to us and the stuff that we get to nerd out a little bit about. And give this five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Those really help gain the visibility of the channel. And obviously, as the visibility goes up, we get to do more cool stuff. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Maddie, for joining me. Enjoy your trip. Oh, I will. We will catch you in another week or so, buddy. And uh, the rest of you, we will catch you all next week for the Casey Laboratory. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.